This is a series that will carry on for a little while. We will have um, um, a, a brand new um, topic for the next several weeks. Uh, it's groundbreaking pieces. We're in a series for the year on breaking new ground. But what I want to show you are groundbreaking pieces that you can have in life that will piece together for you the kind of life you want. I want to show you how in the Bible uh, God has uh, laid out, I believe, a principle. There are seven things I'll share with you today in a moment that I think are key. Now, this is a long uh, journey for me. There's a book I'm working on. I, I've talked about it for a long time. It's called Success Comes in Pieces, Not in Chunks. How many of you heard me talk about that a lot? Right. Repeat it with me, please. Say, Success, Success comes, in pieces, comes in pieces and not in chunks. Not in chunks. Now, this is a principle we live by in this church. You've heard it for years. I'll say, work your pieces. And people will say, okay, I get it, I understand. Whenever you're pressured by something and you don't know what to do, I'll say success comes in pieces. Most of the time it calms people right down. They say, okay, that means I'm trying to get it all right now. Can't have it all right now. Let me just tighten myself up a little bit and trust God and say, okay, this is going to come, but it's going to be a while. Good marriages, careers, health issues, all those things work themselves out over time. Now, there are some pieces that are what I call groundbreaking pieces. And so today and over the next few days, and I hope you're coming to, to the revival this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You ready to worship God? So we, we're going to have, a, and I'll talk more about that later, but I want to extend this, and there's some practical things I'm going to show you in all three days that will help you with this as well. Today, though, is the introduction. We talk about understanding the pieces. How do the pieces work? Now, I, I, I want to uh, give you seven words later on, that, and they're at the bottom of your notes there, seven words that I think are important. Now, the, on the front of your paper, your notes, those of you that are in the building, and those of you that are watching from home, you can click on the, the note tab, there's a note area right there on your screen where you can get the same notes we have in church. But on the back of your notes, if you'll notice, let's just say the seven words together, shall we? The first one, the first word I want you to see on a good day when the, when the screen changes for me, it won't work. Technology is amazing, isn't it? Some days you feel powerful and then some days you feel like nothing working. Mm -hmm. And you say, yeah, Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right. We're going to talk about the creation of man. Everybody say it with me, please. We're going to talk about, say, the fall of man. Now, in the creation of man, that's going to be an example of how the pieces work. I'm going to take the fall of man and show you how all this works. And then I'm going to take the fall of man. So there's two illustrations. Say it again. Say the creation of man and the fall of man. Now, the next thing I want you to see is we're going to look at seven words, all right? The seven words are, repeat this with me, please. Say, the problem, the, problem, the, pieces, the pieces, the plans, the, plan, the, pain, the pain, the process, the, process, the, prize, the prize, and the praise. the praise. Now, the problem is what most people are concerned about in their life. 
What's the issue? The problem is solved by putting together pieces. So if you have a problem, the first thing you do, I say, you go to the pieces. This is the problem. You take the problem, you break the problem into, what did I call it? I'm working on this a long time. You got to get it now, you see? So you've got a problem now, and the problem is in pieces. Sometimes those pieces are too big. You got to break them down even smaller. The goal is to look at the problem, divide it up into bite-sized chunks, so you can say, my marriage is a problem. I need to break it up. I didn't say break up. <laughs> break it up into small pieces. Now, I've got something I can look at. So I had a problem. I break it into pieces, and now I begin to put together a what? Plan. All right. Child does not know how to read. Need a teacher. Need a tutor. I come up with a plan. That is my first responsibility. Come up with a plan. Now I've got a plan. Their next inevitable thing is something called pain. We don't like pain. Why don't we like pain? Because it hurts. But there, there is no way to solve a problem without some pain. So if I have a problem, what do I run to? The pieces. Repeat this with me, please. Say, when I have a problem, I run to the pieces. That's the first thing I want you to think about. When I have a problem in my life, whatever the problem is, I run to the pieces. When I get to the pieces, I, I take the pieces, tear them into pieces, and now I develop from those pieces a plan. I'm trying to figure out how to fix this job issue. I have bills and not enough money. So I come up with a plan. Now, the plan normally has uh, an element of pain in it. That means I have to work some overtime for the next three months. I'm always big on overtime for a certain period of time. So three months, two months to get to a dollar amount. I will take that money and use it to solve this problem and I will obey this plan. Are you with me? All right, so I've got a problem, then I have pieces, a plan, and then I have pain. So say, say repeat with me, please say problems. Pieces, plans, pain. Are you with me? All right. The next thing is something most people don't like, and that's called process. Now, the process is what I, is that, that's, that's something that can really get you. And when I talk about the creation of man and the fall of man and show you how all this fits, you're going to say, ooh, that's an interesting step, the process. So there's a process. It may take a week, it may take a year, it may take a month. What you saw when you saw, when you, when you saw the college students up here a minute ago, they came through a process. And there was a lot of pain. There were hours of study. Sacrifice. Didn't come free. Now, that's why they pay you. When they look at you and you say degree, they think pain. You should get some money. Several thousand more dollars a year in your life as a result. 
because of your commitment to the process. Now, after the process, the prize, that's what you saw today. You saw the prize. The prize was that little piece of paper that qualifies you now. And the end result is you end up praising God. At the end of it all, praise. Seven things happen. You go through those seven stages. But once you finish praising, you go back again, start something new, brand new problem. And once you get to the problem, what do you do? Break it into what? And you take those pieces and you do what with them? Create a plan and you expect what's going to happen? And after pain, you have to work through a what? But after you work through the process, there will be a? And then you'll be able to do what? Praise God. You're with me. You got it, right? All right. Now, so that means the next time you have that, you'll know. Now, let's take all of these pieces, all of these little things. I've just destroyed up here, okay, for a moment. And let's go back and talk about the creation of man. Now, I, I want to read something that I wrote for you to just summarize all I just said. When we see a problem, we run for the pieces. The problems are broken down into pieces. The pieces are turned into plans. These plans often start with some pain. The pain takes us through a process of growth that leads to the prize of victory and the joy of praise. That is my formula. That is what I use. Now, take that template, look at the scripture, and let me show it to you in the Bible. If you look with me, if you would please, Genesis chapter 2, verse 26. Genesis chapter 2, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man, make people, in our, and this is the New Living Translation, so it reads a little bit different. Let us make people in our image to be like ourselves. They will be masters over all life. They will be masters over what? The fish uh, in the sea, birds in the sky, and all the livestock, wild animals, and small animals. Please understand when God made you, his design was a creator's design. His goal was to make you empowered. It was to empower all mankind. He wanted man to feel like you're in charge. That's why you want to be in charge. Because you were designed by God to be in charge of your life. You don't want to be subservient. I'm not saying you don't want to serve. I'm just saying you were made to be in charge. That's why when debt holds its hand over you, you feel like, I'm not supposed to be like this. You were designed to be empowered. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Now, please understand when you talk about the image of God, you're talking about man's intellect, man's emotion, man's will, his capacity to be an individual. All that is part of how God designed us. We're patterned after him. He made us male and female. He did not just make guys. When God designed man, the intent was both male and female. And one of the most amazing principles that I've learned in the Bible study is that prior to the fall, men and women were equal in authority. Not in terms of their calling. I think the man was made first, but the woman and the man were both told the same thing here. That they both were male and female. They were blessed. Verse 28 says, God blessed them, not just him, and told them multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. You both were challenged to be fruitful. 
you both were challenged to subdue the earth, not just the guys. You were challenged to, I love, I love the way um, that this was described by one author. He said, it's the Christian Magna Carta, I've said it for years, to go out and be educated. Go and subdue math, subdue English, subdue the science, figure out why things work the way they work, subdue it, create things, find out about electricity, all that's your job. And then verse 29 is, and God said, look, I have given you the seed-bearing plants throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given all of the grasses and other green plants to the animals and birds for their food. And so it was, then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was excellent in every way. This all happened on the sixth day. That was the goal of God. Pretty good goal, you think? Now, the problem was the fall of man came along. The fall of man was where it all went wrong. This is where you find, as a parent, you can do everything right, create the perfect template, but because a person is curious, curiosity changes everything. Man wanted to see. Every day he would walk in that garden and he would look and see that tree, the one tree he wasn't supposed to eat from, and, and it just started looking good. You know, just if I could just date her, if I could just have him, if I could just, if I could just taste something that I have not tasted. And so you have this incredible moment, chapter 3, verse 1. Look in your notes of Genesis. Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the creatures the Lord God had made. Really, he asked the woman, did God say, really say you must not eat any of the fruit in the garden? You're kidding. You can't have, you can't, you can't touch that tree. You're kidding. You mean to tell me you, your parents won't let you go out? You are kidding. You have not been to a nightclub. You have not been, no, wait, wait. You have not been to a nightclub. Ricky was um, going to um, his first club. And I'm not saying do this. I'm not advising this. And I probably shouldn't have started this story, but I did. <laughs> so it's too late. I'm in it now. Because now you're nosy and you want to know the rest of the story. So Ricky... Uh, it, it, you know, he's going to this, this place and it's down at Disney and they're going to have this thing and they're going to open the nightclubs up for the kids that they can go in and, you know, non-alcoholic, whatever. So I said, well, you know, you've never been. So I, what I'm going to do, son, is take you in advance of the trip and we're going to go to clubs together. You kid. I said, no. I'm taking it myself. So I go in undercover, paint my face, change my hair color. No, no, I don't. I go in just like I am. And I walk in, and uh, he was about 17, 18. And I said, now, let's go in and just stand around. He said, that's all we're going to do. I said, that's all they do in clubs. <laughs> they stand around. 
And I said, let's go down by the dance floor. So we standing down there by the dance floor. I said, all right. Now see, what do you think? This is this exciting? I said, no, what's going to happen? You know, and I tried to show him it's a social gathering. Now, I'm not encouraging all of you to go to the club. I, see, Pastor Rick talked about the club. He went to the club. See, that's, when this gets told, it'll be all distorted. The, but it was a group of Disney clubs they have, and it's all in some one big area. What's that area down there? It's called um, Downtown Disney, right? right. So, uh, and, and it's about as family an environment as you get. But anyway, I went in, and I, I, um, I wanted him to understand something, because in his mind, there was this magical dust behind the walls of this club. And I want him to understand it's not what it looks like. It's not that you don't need to dream. I didn't want him to dream. Here I go. Now, that may not have been the best plan, but that's what I did. The whole truth, nothing but truth, so help me God. Now, you want to know the backstory? Give yeah, backstory to this. So we went to several of the little clubs they had there. And uh, one was a comedy club. And uh, I said, um, well, we're going to all go as a family, and it's clean comedy. It wasn't bad. We're going to all go sit in this comedy club. So we all went in, and, um, and the lady that was first, it was, it was amazing. The first thing, it was a bar at the back of the club, and there was a, you know, chairs in the middle, and then there was a stage. So the place was packed, and you, your kids couldn't sit at the bar. They weren't serving any alcohol, but you, the kids couldn't even sit at the bar at all. They had to sit in the audience. So Diane and Christina, they were sitting you know, in one area, and uh, Ricky was sitting. It was nowhere we could all sit together. And I had to sit by myself, and the only seat they had, you know where it was, right? In the bar. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, praise God. Nobody knows me here, hallelujah. So I'm sitting at the bar, looking at the stage, and then the comedian walks from the stage to the bar and decides to interview everybody at the bar. And starts at the other end of the bar. Now, I only did this because I wanted my son to understand this is just not some magical place. It's just a room with people in it. And so he, uh, <laughs> they start, and she's cracking jokes hard on everybody at the bar. And her first question is, what do you do? I'm praying now. <laughs> So one by one, they come. Now, my family knows I've sacrificed to come in here. I only did this to make a point. I was just trying to let you understand this is not some magical place. You don't have to dream about coming here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm a man of God thinking of some creative way to help my child get the message. I'm trying. And now I'm stuck at this bar with this comedian headed my way. So she gets to me. And I'm the last one at the bar. And she says, so what do you do? I said, well, I, I, I relate to the community. I'm in community relations. <laughs> she said, what do you relate? Well, community stuff. So now she got somebody, oh, you try to be or you. She says, now, 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 I want to know, now what did you do? I said, well, I'm a preacher. I relate to people. Because I knew I would have been roasted. And my kids, you can see Ricky going, 
I'm sorry, Dad, I know. You just did this for me, man. I know, you're under pressure. And my wife and my daughter went, oh. <laughs> and right about that time, her time ran out. Hallelujah. Time ran out, bell rang. I'm sorry, goodbye. Mess with me. <laughs> Who knows how that all fits in my sermon? Curiosity, thank you. You want to solve in your mind this idea that somehow you're going to get to some magical place. Adam and Eve looked at the fruit and they were curious. What does that taste like? Is that where you are? What does that taste like? Her husband. His wife. What does it taste like to get away with stealing something and nobody knows it? What does it taste like? To be, to be a, believe me, to be a gangbanger. <clears throat> to be undercover, covert. Have a double life. What does it taste like? to have the power of ministry? What does it taste like to be up there and everybody's looking at you? What does it taste like to have a suit on? What does it taste like to travel? What does it taste like? All these things you want to taste. Are you trying to kill my ambition? No. I'm not trying to smother anybody's dreams or ambitions. I'm simply saying, be careful what you want. In the creation of man, you see. Now let me show you, if I can, the fall of man. You see this curiosity rise, and you see the result. God created man to win, to be empowered. He already gave him everything. He owned all the land. He owned all the animals. He was talking to God in person every day. He was going to live forever. He would never die. He was completely healthy, had never been sick. He had no dreams in front of him that were impossible. But he still wanted a fruit. It's amazing how much you can have and still want one thing you don't need. Out of all the things that God has given to you, you dwell on the one thing you don't have. The Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning. I got up and prayed. It just hit me so strong this morning. He says, would you do me a favor this morning? Would you just go and celebrate all the people who come and don't dwell on those who didn't come? Can you just celebrate what you have and not what you don't have? The money you make, not the money you don't make. The money you kept, not the money you lost. Can you celebrate your health and that you have, what you do have? There's some things that you, you tend to dwell on that don't help you. And there's this incredible moment now where man has this problem he creates because he bites this fruit. The serpent said, you mean to tell me you can't eat everything? You can't, you can't touch that tree? Oh my goodness, that's the best one in here. And then he goes after man's core values. Now I want you to watch this. The serpent, verse 1, Genesis 3, says to him, the woman, I'm sorry, verse 2 says to him, of course we may eat of it, the woman told him. Uh, it is the only fruit from the tree 
at the center of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. We can eat all the other fruit, but this one tree we can't eat. God says we must not eat of it or even touch it or we will die. Now that's clear in her mind. The only boundary, verse 4, here's what he says. You won't die. You won't die. God knows. Now he's going to indict God. God knows that your eyes will be open when you eat it. You will become like God. God knowing everything, both good and evil. The woman was convinced. Convinced, verse 6 says. The fruit looked so fresh and delicious. And it would make her so wise. So she ate some of the fruit. She also gave some to her husband. This is an important thing to note who was with her. She went to him and said, hey, then he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open. And they suddenly felt something they never felt before, shame at their nakedness. Notice, no longer were they able to be transparent. They were no longer able to function the way they functioned. They, sewed, they, they strung fig leaves together around their hips to cover themselves. Now, this is now a problem. How are we going to fix it? That's what I want you to see. That's where the pieces come. The first thing that I want you to notice is, notice with me, as I said, we've got a problem. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 19, I'm not going to turn there, okay, summarizes how the problem is going to be solved. Through one man, Adam. The one man, I'm sorry, the one man, Christ. Christ came to redeem the problem, to fix the mess that man had created. Romans chapter 5, turn your page over, verse, verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. I want you to notice that now. And though there was no law to break, go back to verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin did what? Enter the human race. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. Now, that doesn't mean that Adam did it and we get blamed for it. To be really honest, if you read on through the text, it's really clear that Adam was like our, our representative, if you can view him as your senator. It's called the federal head view in theology terms. It's the view that Adam voted for us. If, we, if Adam was about to bite that fruit, Eve was about to bite that fruit, they looked back through time and said, should I try? All of us said, go for it. They voted for us. They cast the vote, but we were guilty. All of us did what Adam did here in this text. We've all bitten the fruit. You don't bite the fruit because Adam bit the fruit. You bite the fruit because you want to bite the fruit. Adam simply was the first one. Now, having said that, please note the problem. The problem is Adam's sin. Now, note the pieces. God then tears this problem into small pieces and says, now I have to fix it. How am I going to fix it? Well, there's a verse in Exodus 23, verse 30. Stay on your back page there. Notice what it says. Little by little, now this is a promise that God gives Israel, and I believe this is a guiding principle throughout Scripture. 
Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. How will God drive them out before you? Little by little. That's the principle. It's in pieces. It's in small pieces. Little by little. Exodus chapter 23, verse 30. That is at the core of what I believe regarding the problems in my life. For a long time when I talked about success and I talked about pieces and all this stuff, I thought more about the success side of it than the peace side of it. But what I've come to understand is that the pieces, that's where the power is. The power is not in the problem. The power is in taking the, taking the problem and breaking it into pieces and looking at it little by little. One day, two days, three days, four days. That's where the power is. If I can get comfortable with that concept, my life will change. I will not be as frustrated because I understand I've got another day and another day and another day and pay the bill and get it, it'll get done. Just one day at a time, one class, one assignment. That's how I solve my problems. When I have problems, where do I run? To the pieces. When I have problems, where do I run? I run to the pieces and then what do I do next? I develop a plan. Now, this is fascinating, the way God plans things. The plans, if you go back to the front page, let me show you God's plan. Now, I want you to think about this. This text is, is incredible, and I'm cheating a little bit. Can you go back to the back page? Hang with me, hang with me. The reason I need you to read the verse first, okay? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will, I will cause hostility between, now this is after man has sinned, he's eaten the fruit, his eyes are open, He's hiding from God. And so God looks at him and says, oh, gosh, you guys did it. You did, you did it. Now we have a problem. Here is what we're going to do. We're going to break this problem into pieces, and we're going to fix it. But it's going to take about 4,000 years. Doesn't that just get you? It's amazing. We're going to fix this problem. But the plan is going to take a while. Genesis 3.15. I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, please understand, there is something about the woman's seed that's going to attack the serpent. Now, the serpent is the one that's being talked to here in chapter 3. He's the one who convinced Eve to eat the fruit, right? After she eats the fruit... The Lord looks at the serpent and says, what did you do? He said, because you did this, I'm going to make you, the serpent, is, uh, the serpent was a symbol of, of the enemy, Satan, you and the woman's seed are going to be in hostility, referring to Christ. And what's going to happen is her seed is going to crush your head. You are going to strike his heel. And if you think, the, think about the cross, when you hung up on the cross, your heels were they nailed, they nailed him together and his heels were bruised. So it's really a prophecy. It's what's called in theological terms, say with me please, say the proto-evangelium. Proto-evangelical, proto proto first gospel. It's the first message. It's the Lord's answer to the woman and to Adam. Okay, you messed up. Things are messed up. How am I going to fix it? I'm going to, through your seed down the road, cause your your, the, the circumstances to be changed. Now the serpent has led you this way, tricked you into this, but eventually you're going to crush his head and he's going to bruise your heel. Now, 
they didn't understand all that, but that's a prophecy. But Jesus wasn't going to come for 4,000 years. That's the plan. Now, here's why God doesn't always tell you his plans, because you don't like them. What kind of plan is that? I'll be dead. Yeah. But now you set in motion a lot of things that can't be fixed in your lifetime. That may not comfort you. As a matter of fact, it probably leads to the next word, pain. This is a painful thought. Not only are you going to have to wait for an undesignated period of time, but if you look at the back notes on the back page, look at what he says to the woman. He said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancies, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Everything is going to change now. This is all painful. Your, your leadership role will not be equal anymore. You now must follow his leadership. There's going to be, a, you, and you're going to feel that. You're going to feel I should be in charge. A lot of you women feel, I should be really, he, he need, I need to lead him. <laughs> and the, in King James, it says, your desire will be to your husband. You will desire, you'll feel, you'll feel, and women feel this all the time, I feel like I've lost something. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I have lost something. I don't know exactly why or how, but there's some pain I'm going through. And I'm trying to figure this out. Well, the Lord said to the woman, if you look at verse 22, chapter 3, verse 22, then the Lord said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. So imagine, not only are you going to have trouble having kids, now you're going to have trouble staying where you live. I'm going to evict you from the garden. Think about the pain. Because of this decision, God's plan is, okay, number one, I'm going to send Jesus to save you and heal you, but it's going to be a long time, 4,000 years. And you know, pregnancy, being fruitful is going to be painful, and you got to get out of your house. That's God's plan. Somebody said, can I suggest a better plan? You come tomorrow and do this proto-evangelium thing, okay? You come tomorrow... And, uh, you know, what's with that painful birth stuff? What, what's that got to do with anything? What does that prove? And so you're sitting there thinking, if you could talk to God, if you knew in advance, hang with me now, if you knew in advance what you were going to go through, what would you have told him? Can we talk? Can, can, okay, success comes in pieces. I've got a problem. I broke it into pieces, and now this next step, I don't like. Think about Jesus in Gethsemane for a moment, people. The plan led to pain, some discomfort. I cannot promise you deliverance without discomfort. I cannot promise you a great life without some discomfort. Anybody who promises you a good life without some discomfort, a good marriage, without some uncomfortable conversations, they're not telling you the truth. I don't care who it is, how she looks, how he looks, how, it doesn't matter. If you were married to me, we'd have some uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> yeah, kidding. Oh, that's Diane, absolutely. You fight? Oh, sure. That's part of being married. That's in the contract. 
It's how you fight. Some of you don't know how to fight, you cheat. Pain is a part of the process. And embracing that pain is important. So they have pain, and now this process, if you look at the next step, is incredible because the process is Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Now, I want you to notice this. The process requires a family. God wants this to happen, but the reason it's going to take so long is because he's got to build a whole nation to fix this problem. It can't be fixed with just you. See, hear this. You can start a problem. We can start a war. But it takes the whole Army, Navy, Air Force, and a lot of lives to fix it. You can start a problem, but may not be able to fix the problem that you start. One problem, one challenge has now put into motion a whole thing. And when you get to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your families, father's family and go to the land that I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make, your, make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That is the answer to Adam's problem. But that happens hundreds of years after Adam. Please understand a lot of the challenges that we face, it takes a process. Alcoholism can get in your family, but it's a process to get it out. You can start with a problem with education or lack of money. It's a, it's a process to get out of it. And embracing that is important. Once you understand how the pieces work, once you're clear, okay, I'm all right. I'm just in the process right now. Or I'm in the pain stage right now, a little bit uncomfortable. That's okay. All right, I have a problem. I, need, I know what to do with it. Break it into small pieces and come up with a plan. I cannot succeed. I will not fix this until I come up with a plan. And I expect this plan to have some pain. But if I hang in the process, over time, I will get to the what? Prize. And so that's God's way. I will bless those who bless you, verse 3, and curse those who curse you. And all, here's the ultimate prize, all the families, would you read this with me please? All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That's it. That's God's promise. And then if you go all the way to the end, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, and here's, why I want, here's what I want you to say now. After it's all done, that's what's so powerful about the book of Revelation. In Genesis, you have failure. You have the biggest problem man ever created. It's not finished and solved until Revelations. Thousands of years later, the Lord says, I know you can't see it now. As a matter of fact, if I tried to explain this to you, you would never get it. You would never understand it. You would be frustrated by it. But trust me, success comes in pieces. And the success you need now, Adam, because of the problem you created, is one that will take a long time to fix, but I promise you, I'm God. I live outside of time. A thousand years is as a day, and a day is a thousand years to me. I promise you, if you walk by faith and trust me, we'll fix this. But in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, when you get there, by the time you get there, 
You are worthy. Here's what, here's what will be said, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. You were the one who made all things. Now, that's powerful because here's a man reaching way back to creation. He ends the book of Revelation. He ends the book talking about what you did back there. It's fixed now. We can praise you now. We can rejoice in the end of your life. I don't care what problem you have. I promise you, if you trust God, if you break it into pieces, if you say, Father, I'm going to work on this plan, trust you through the pain and the process, I'm getting to the prize, and one day I won't owe anybody, I won't be sick, I won't, come on, amen, are you hearing the church? It's going to be victorious. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Now, when I studied this, it came to be the frame for my life. I'm always asking myself, where are you? There are days when I have praised God, I've had great victory, and now I'm embarking on a new journey. And I see problems. I see problems, but I've been here before. I've been here time and time and time again. That's why by the time you have the third kid, you've been here before. New teachers, look at students, you've been here before. They're rambunctious, they're loud, they're not sitting down, they're talking back, and you smile because you've been here before. This problem doesn't look the same to you. And you walk into that problem, and you start pulling the problem of peace apart, piece by piece. And they don't know why you're calm, but they don't know what's happening, but you know what's happening. Because when you see that problem, slowly, and they why are you smiling? Nothing. <laughs> Really? Okay, I got you. You're 13 now. You're grown. I got you. Hang in there. It's a problem. You're going to lay me off? I'm not going to have a job? Not a problem. I take all my problems, break them into small bite-sized pieces, and then with prayer and faith, I start laying out my plan. Come on. In the name of Jesus. I've been here before. I've been here before. I know that's why when you've been in the ministry for 30 years and when you've fought many devils and many demons and you've gone through a whole lot and you know, you know what it feels like to be overwhelmed, you say, I'm not worried about it because I know it's all right. I feel a little pain right now. Parent comes in and yells at me and tells me off, but I've been here before. I understand this pain and this process, so I'm just working through the process, and I, I know in, in time. And I keep my eyes off the clock. It takes as long as it takes. My job is to keep my eyes on him. Did you get it? All right. Father God, today what's been said is a word to somebody. 
it gives them the, the, the frame, the, the tools they need to make the right choices. It gives them the insights they need. My time is up. I can't go any further. But I ask you in Jesus' name to let this be the message. The message that frees the hearts of your people. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, after hearing this message, I realize that I need to make a start. I need to get my life going in the right direction spiritually. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. He gave you the formula. He died. Where man sinned, he died. He became the sacrifice for all of us. And so in Jesus' name, I pray that you would let this be that moment where they would say, come into my heart, Lord. Let this be that transforming moment where you are forgiven, where your hand and your heart put in the hand of God. I want you to put your Bible down, stand up on your feet for just a moment.